You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Detroit. This is Liz Reed, your resident guru here at Podcast Detroit, having a good time once again today talking about our mental health issues and the things that concern you and your family. Today I'm joined by a very dear friend and ex-patient, Shar. Hello, Shar. Thank good you for morning. coming, sweetheart. We are going to delve into some pretty heavyweight stuff today, but we always have laughter. Make sure we always have laughter, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Otherwise, we would not survive this stuff, right? For sure. Um, today's subject is on pain and suicide and the correlation. Um, pain, chronic pain, can lead a lot of people to suicidal ideation or possibly following through with suicide to completion. Um, Char has been down this road. She's experienced it firsthand, and we are going to discuss that and um, the reasons that we are together, how we got to know each other, and how you came out the other end, a happy, positive, wonderful person, and um, your long trek that you work so hard at and you've done so well with. And so I'm very excited to have you here, and I really appreciate you coming. I'm very happy to be Perfect. here. Perfect. Uh, my girl, Julie, my co-host, is up north having a good time over the 4th of July, and so um, I hope she has fun and enjoys herself. I'd like to read a quick disclaimer today. Uh, the information in this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not meant to replace treatment or diagnosis by a qualified mental health professional, which is me. Liz, I am your qualified mental health professional, but um, I'm sort of kind of off duty. Let's go with that, right? <laughs> but at least it's somewhat legal, I guess. So a couple of things we know about suicide um, is that, you know, with our annual suicide rate, somewhere around 50,000 people a year committing suicide, about 8.8% of these people have chronic pain that is often gone misdiagnosed. Uh, 90% of the suicide notes mentioned in their note, that they suffered from chronic pain. So one thing we do know is this is an issue. This is a problem. Associated with that is the medications that people take and people use to help uh, manage their chronic pain, which often can be a one-way ticket to hell and an abyss that you can't crawl out of, right? Correct. Okay. <laughs> Additionally, there is um, ODs by uh, um, opiates, uh, which is an unintentional Overdose. This can happen from, as I'll get into the biology of all this in the brain and how it works, people taking more and more opiates in order to help manage the pain, which sometimes it's unmanageable. And the more opiates you take, the less they work. And a lot of people don't think that. They think less is or more is better, right? And Correct. That's, that's not exactly how that goes. Absolutely. So what we do know is when we have pain, when we have a pain issue somewhere, the pain travels from the uh, receptive point where the pain occurs with you, Shar, mostly um, your pain, although different. We're going to go over all your all your health and so forth. <laughs> but let's just say your back. Okay? okay, your pain started with your back. So that is your receptive point that occurs that sends a signal to the spinal cord, which is crossed over into the thalamus uh, in the brain. Uh, from there, we it connects to a synapsis, which tells us, which is our little language within our neurons that says, we have pain, we have pain, you know, we need to do something about that. So we naturally release opioids of our own, which is called dopamine, all right? So that's related in our dopamine center. So usually... This is helpful for a scratch, a bite, um, an incident of some sort. We are able to calm ourselves down, manage our pain, and feel better. If we have chronic, main, uh, chronic pain where you have issues like you have that are ongoing, this doesn't work so well. <laughs> our dopamine center is saying, uh-uh, we need the bigger guns in here, right? right. And when this is uh, not enough, then we add opiates to the situation, which helps to increase the dopamine in our own brain. It's synthetic. And then this adds to a state of euphoria and obviously pain relief. Um, this becomes a vicious cycle. And the more opiate receptors 
the more opiates we take, we create more opiate receptors. So what that means is that within the brain, as you oddly, opiates and opiate receptors and pain receptors all fit together really, really super nice, like just like a glove, a hand in a glove. And so the more opiates we take, the more pain receptors we produce and the more opiates they want. Uck. That's not a good thing. <laughs> not a good thing at all. <laughs> no, because you're you're saying, okay, I'm supposed to be feeling better right now. How come I don't feel better? I still have pain, right? Right. Enter the psychological component that is now coming into play, as you and I were talking about in the car. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had my own battles with pain over the last couple of weeks. Um, I had a horrible outbreak of cystitis, a urinary tract infection that would just got completely out of hand and was thinking to myself, um, oh, oh boy, I really do understand the people that I treat because I'm in so much pain right now. If I had to feel like this all the time, I would never be able to handle it. I can see how people would feel suicidal. So the higher your tolerance gets, um, the more you take, the more you need, and then you stop creating your own dopamine. So if we were to do, and we start taking more synthetic pain opiates, if we were to do a brain scan on your brain when you're taking too many opiates, it would show that your whole dopamine center, your pleasure center, which is important to have. Let me add this, okay? The brain scan would show this area is inactive with heavy-duty opiate use, correct? So what that does is stops your emotion, your feelings, your affect. You're just kind of flat. You're not laughing. You're not smiling. Correct me if I'm wrong. No. Yeah. And um, But you're just kind of existing. Right. Right. Yep. And thinking about what do I do next? What do I do next to feel better? So that area would be dead and gone. But we have a reward center, the dopamine center, as we call that, because it was developed for us by the kitty gods or whomever created us. (laughs) Right. Um, So that we would keep eating. We would keep having sex. We would procreate. We would take care of ourselves. Right. So if it feels good and it tastes good, we're going to do it again. And we have to have that. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. Too bad opiates fit in there just a little too well. So, <laughs> you know, uh, and and that creates a lot of problems for people because what happens then is if we don't take the opiates and we try to reduce it, we have so many opiate receptors within our brain begging for this feeling. And that inactive dopamine pleasure center is so low or completely inactive that um, we get dope sick. Yikes. And nobody thinks of that, right? When you think of dope sick, you think of some heroin addict on the streets, right? right. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Not a functioning housewife from the suburbs. You're like taking a prescription drug. Thank you. (laughs) Exactly. Taking prescription drugs that my doctor told me I needed and this is working. And so that's why I'm taking it. Blah, 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 blah. And then the next thing, you know, you know, you're like, Hey, you're taking a few too many. No, I'm not. I have a lot of pain. And then the family starts getting worried and then things start getting bad. And, and then you need more and more and more. And then it becomes in this whole other dynamic as well, which we're going to get to. Okay. But that is, that's true. That's where it goes. And it's the same dope sickness that anybody on heroin or anyone else would have because it affects that part of the body, that part of the brain. It's a mental thing as well as a physical thing. So in order to detox off opiates, but you need opiates because you're in chronic pain, we have to let the the, uh, opiate receptors die off. How do we do that without suffering? You're already hurting and you can't get your pain under control. So we'll get into all that later on. But, uh, you know, that's like kind of a quick rundown of what we're, you know, what we're looking at, what we're working with that is so highly toxic about chronic pain management. And then once again, we have the pain management places. Have you ever been to one of those? Um, I actually do go to a pain clinic. You do? Yes. Uh, okay. So the average opiate is designed to be taken for five to seven days. So that obviously does not carry over into somebody with chronic pain. So, um, Okay, so let's kind of get to you, and we'll get to all that. Okay, <laughs> let's get to you and your life. And you're just like an average, lovely woman who worked real hard, raised her children, and did her own thing, right? And <laughs> a, lot, a lot of wild stuff just just happened. Explain to us a little bit. Tell me a little bit about your past life, your family and your work and what you oh, did. Okay. Um, I just had a... Anniversary last month. My husband and I have been together for 40 years. Yes, I love him. We have a blended family 
Uh, we have five kids, uh, three girls, two boys. Awesome. Um, I retired uh, in 2012, mm-hmm. and I thought life should have been wonderful. Absolutely. Did you have any pain prior to retiring? Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, yes. What was going on then? I was having um, back and neck issues even even then. Okay. okay. Is that from the rheumatoid arthritis or... I'm, I know the story, so I'm kind of uh, um, filling in blanks here. Or was that from something else? No, it, it's osteo. Um, Osteoarthritis. Arthritis. Uh, okay, yes. got it. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, and then 2013 came around, and I think I got kind of a negative boost. Um, I had had four surgeries that year. My oh, husband boy. had had four surgeries that year. Okay. And my mom passed away. Oh, boy. So I think I kind of had a full plate. <laughs> yeah, you did. How was your pain at that point? Um, not managed well. Okay. So that's one of the things I wanted to ask. Uh, we see this a lot also with patients that will say, you know, I had a surgery. Then I had, okay, well, now, okay, then bring on the pain meds. Then I had to have another surgery. Then I had to have another, you know, so there's like all these surgeries in a row. Did they, do you feel that they helped you? What were they for? Were they for your back or your neck? The pain meds were for my back and neck. Okay. And so did you feel better after each surgery? Uh with my neck surgery, absolutely, I felt better. Okay, that's good. Yeah. And you had migraines that went along with that? Yes, and I still get migraines. But okay. But they're not at the level that they were at then. Okay. And they're not as frequent. Oh, good. And good. Uh, the clinic I go to, I can get steroid injections or mm-hmm. um you know, you know, and those. yeah, and that's and that's part of the other pain management tool that I want to talk about. It, you know, when we're talking about recovery from this. So in 2013, when all this was going down, what what um, when did you start seeing an increase in your medications or your pain management getting out of control? Mm, I would say probably in 2014. What was going on then? Just the everyday. Stuff, stuff, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there, yeah. Um, I had a lot of different health issues, mm-hmm. and yeah. um, there was just it would seem like I'm taking care of one thing, and no sooner think yeah. I'm getting that resolved, and then I'm faced with something else, yeah, and it just has been that way actually ever since. I'm still dealing. <laughs> with but you're that. dealing well. But I handle it now. But you handle it now. Yeah. When did you start thinking, listen, like this is not good. I I'm not doing good. Things are getting worse. Um probably in towards the end of twenty fourteen. Um when you find that you go to bed at night and you're saying to yourself, Dear God, don't let me wake up tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. And then in the morning you wake up and you go, oh, damn. <laughs> I'm still here. I'm still here. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And sure. you do that day after day and you keep thinking something is going to change. Something is going to get better. Yeah. And it doesn't. Yeah. And you feel like you're always fighting a mental battle. Yeah. To stay above the pain. Mm-hmm. And you just can't always do that. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it wears you out, you know. Wears you down to a nub. Yeah. It wears you down to a nub. And that's where the mental component comes in, where you're just, you just get to the point that that's all you're thinking about. How do I feel? How do I feel now? Do I feel better right. now? Am I feeling better How later? long until I can take my next pain med? Yes. You know, mm-hmm. you start watching that clock. Yeah. You know? All the time. Mm-hmm. And so um, how did this affect your family? Did they mention anything like, Mom, it seems like you're taking more than you need to, or we were worried about you, or anything like that? Uh, not with the kids. Um, with my husband, I think he was somewhat aware. Yeah. Um, and then in 2015, I kind of graduated from that point of 
wishing I wouldn't wake up the next morning to, you know, apparently I am going to wake up the next morning. So yeah. now I, I have to do something else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I know when you and I talked about this, you and I met at on the psych ward at McLaren Hospital. Yes, we did. Yes, we <laughs> met there. That's where we got to know each other. You didn't like me so much in the beginning, but now you love me, right? I absolutely do. Thank you. <laughs> How many years ago was that exactly? That was uh, December of 2015. Wow. Gosh, wow. It's been a while now, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And at that point, you were hopeless. I oh, mean, you were... Hopeless and helpless. The twins. Yes. <laughs> hopeless and helpless. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I remember you, after we talked about it later, I remember you saying to me that the Christmas tree was up, wasn't it? Yes. And you would lay on the couch and stare at it. Mm -hmm. And what would you think to yourself at that time? Were you planning how you could end your life? Oh, yeah. I, I had been planning. Uh, probably really, really planning uh, since about August. Okay. And what did that look like? Uh, was it, yeah, I know you said it started as a seed of, you know, I think uh, maybe I might just, you know, kill myself. And then it kind of blew off, right? And then, then it, the seed kept growing. Right. I couldn't shake it. Yeah. Because it sounded appealing. <laughs> Bottom line, it sounded, you know, yep. like a good plan. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then I think in November... I had written letters to mm -hmm. my husband and the kids. Mm -hmm. um, can, can you describe to us just briefly uh, with a broad brush what kind of you said to them, just, you know, sort of? That I was very aware of what I was doing. It was uh -huh. my decision, my yeah. choice. Yeah. And that I was sorry if I hurt them. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to make me cry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Sorry, oh, honey. That's okay. <laughs> um, but I, I didn't want them to feel any guilt that they were about responsible. It, that mm -hmm. they were responsible for it in yeah. any way. That it yep. was all me, mm -hmm. and I just had to do this. Yes, I, I just didn't want it. I didn't feel like I was living. Yeah, I was like the walking dead mm -hmm. person existing <laughs> yeah mhm mm did you feel short tempered at that point at all too uh sometimes yes mhm mm yeah mhm mm uh, irritable sure short tempered yeah um of course along with that you know i'm not sleeping well hadn't been sleeping well for about 4 years yeah um, we were talking about that in the car yeah how I, vitally important that is. Anybody who listens to any of my podcasts know how vitally important yeah. sleep and, is. And you don't realize how important sleep is. Yep. You know, and I would sleep three to four hours a night. Wow. That and is just crazy. That went on for a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, 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 and I'm sure it had an impact on my mental state oh, as, for as sure. well. Goodness gracious. <laughs> After one week... You know, people can be suicidal from lack of sleep. So I can only imagine what, what four years, not to mention it just, you know, wells you, or wears you down at a cellular level. Every part of your body, your health, your pain and everything was just increasing. Everything, everything. intensifies. Everything intensifies tenfold mm -hmm. when you're feeling like that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And was your anxiety high at this time too, along with the depression? You know, as I started formulating a plan, I actually became more relaxed. Ooh, that happens. That happens. Because it was a solution. Yeah. It was mm -hmm. my solution. Yep. And when people have made a decision, like I've said before, to commit suicide, uh, to actually go through with it, they feel relief. Mm -hmm. And they'll say, that this is a good idea. I'm going to, mm -hmm. you know, now, now I've got to, now I know what to do. I have a solution. Yeah. It's going to end. And so as the holiday came around, I... Pulled off our family Christmas like I do every year, you know. Yes, because I have a little secret in here that I know about Char. She is a perfectionist. <laughs> <laughs> and she can put up quite a front when you need to. Because you've always been super active, super engaged with your kids, a hard worker, and a great mom. So Thank this you. you're not, you know, this is, this is why you're here. 
You're you're an, a, a woman who no one would su- suspect of being, you know, horribly depressed, horribly anxious, and ready to take their own life. No one had any idea you no, were thinking I, or feeling I don't these think thoughts. Anybody did. No. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you pulled off the Christmas. Right. Gifts and everything, tree, the whole right. ball of wax. And, and I, it's not like I set a specific date. Yep. But I knew it would be fairly soon, and I knew it would be after our holiday gathering. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess down deep I knew it would be a day that was horrific pain. Yep. That's usually an instigator. That, I knew that would be my trigger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was. <laughs> it was. And so it, what was what kind of pain was going on that day that was different than other days? Because usually that is. Somebody has a bad day, they're reactionary, something bad is happening, and they're like, F it, I'm out, and tonight's the night, or today's the day. It, again, it was mostly back back pain, mm-hmm. um, and I, I just had my limit. Yeah. I had enough. Mm-hmm. So what was the plan? The plan. <laughs> what was the plan? What was the plan? What were we well, going to do? Uh, we have. Uh, I had already decided that um, I would do this in the garage. Mm-hmm. We have a detached garage. Oh, that's helpful. Having a detached garage. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Um, so I was off away from the house. Mm-hmm. You know. And, and uh, without, you know, you and your husband don't sleep in the same bed. That doesn't mean they no. don't love each other, but you sleep in separate rooms because <laughs> he snores, We know snores, how to find right? each other. You can find each other when need be, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but a lot of couples are like that. Yeah. So this yeah. was uh, this further helped your opportunity to complete Absolutely. This. Okay. Absolutely. So what happened? I was just laying there on the couch looking at the Christmas tree, feeling miserable and Thinking about the new year coming and saying, uh-uh. Not doing it. Not doing it. Mm-hmm. And so I gathered up a bunch of comforters and pillows and went out to the garage. And But you plan really well, though. You took the emergency. I tele- took the, <laughs> yes. I We have a special key so that you can get in the garage if there's ever a power failure. Yep. Uh-huh. And so I took those keys with me. I took the garage door openers with me. Yeah. Um and then all my stuff. Yeah. And went out to the garage and started the vehicle and got all comfy cozy and was relaxed and put your music on. Yep. Feeling good about everything and just Went to sleep, and next thing I know, I hear glass breaking. <laughs> oh, and then that's interesting. And your music choice? You had a music choice. Oh, it's Enya. Enya. And, you know. <laughs> Very soothing. I love Enya, but I don't know how much I love her now <laughs> as Did your I music choice. You? I ruined it for you, didn't I? <laughs> no, I love Enya. She's great, but I guess it wouldn't be too bad to go out to Enya, but... <laughs> Wow. Okay, so, but you planned that very well. I mean, you made sure, and you did this now at about 3 o'clock in the morning or something? It was at 1. At one, 1 o'clock in the morning. I think but you guys to- go to bed really early. I, yes. Um, and I think my husband came out about 3. Oh, really? Yeah. So I didn't know you were out there for that long. Yeah, I think it was 1 to, one to 3, because part of me being angry was I had in my mind that I needed between three and four hours. Okay. Okay. And I don't remember how I came up with that number. All right. That part <laughs> but, of the distorted thinking when you're in a desperate yeah. situation. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So you went out, set yourself up, turned the car on, yep. and we're ready to roll. And so you did start to go out. You did start to pass out, or were you just tired and you I, started falling I asleep? Think it, I think. First and foremost, I just fell asleep because it was 1 o'clock in the morning. Okay. Okay. And I know you guys go to bed pretty early, so um, he was probably asleep for a while. So he didn't suspect that he would get up. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure why he – I mean, he he may have gotten up just to go to the bathroom or something in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. 
But for some reason, he didn't go right back to bed. No, I know. I remember him telling me on the unit that he just had a thought he needed to go in and check on you and, and you weren't in bed. Yeah. And he was panicked immediately. Yeah. See, I wasn't aware of that. Yep. Mm-hmm. He, I thought you knew that. Yeah. He, he just had a feeling. He went in there and looked at you. I remember him telling – he went to look for you and you weren't in there and then, then he, you know, panicked. How, what, well, what did he tell you why he ran out to the garage? I, I thought he just like went out to the kitchen or something to get some, you know. Uh, and saw that – And saw that I wasn't in my room mm-hmm. and then I wasn't in the sunroom either. mm well, whatever. So, regardless, yeah. you were in the car, yeah. and you'd been in there for a while. Yeah. See, I. You know what? I don't even know how long it takes for carbon monoxide fumes to take you. I don't either. We have a fairly good sized garage. Yeah. It's like almost the size of a three car. Yeah. Garage. So it would take a while. Yeah. For the fumes to fill up. Mm-hmm. I actually had an ex boyfriend who committed suicide that way. My first love, Jeff. Yeah. It was terrible. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, so next thing you know, glass is breaking. What happens? Uh, and that aroused me a little bit. Uh-huh. And when I realized, oh, game over. <laughs> Somebody spoiled I've, I've my been, plan. Yeah, right. So then I hit the garage door opener. Mm-hmm. And my husband was on the phone with 911. Uh-huh. And next thing I know, we have an ambulance there, police there, um, ambulance we sent away after I, you know, I was up and around Mm -hmm, and stuff mm -hmm. and got a nice little ride (laughs) to the hospital. Mm -hmm. What was uh, your husband saying at that point? Do you remember any of what he had to say? No. No? I I don't. Mm -hmm. I don't. I'm sure he was just completely upset. And. Then, I mean, there's a few gaps for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember being in the ER, and next thing I know, my kids are all there. Yeah. You know. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I was not the best person. I was mad. Yep, that's (laughs) typical. I was so angry. Mm Um. And I probably said things that I never would have said. Sure. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you were mad. This, I, th- I was. It's very so my plan that I thought I had. Foolproof. Yeah. Done pretty well putting together. Mm-hmm. Um, I just couldn't believe. Yeah. Well, you know. We take it out on the, on people who will take it. You know, I, it doesn't matter. It's when you're in that that way of thinking that that dark hole. Yeah, you know you're going to say things and uh, that you don't mean. You're in a, you know, it's just like, do you not understand the pain I'm in? I don't want to be on this earth anymore. I don't want to be this person. I want right. to be dead. I want to be out of pain and dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, unfortunately, the rest of us who are surviving don't want that. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> don't want that, and that that's hard. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, so. Then when did I meet you? So you're on the you were you're in ER for a while, and then you came up to the unit. Yeah, I think it was the very next day. Mm-hmm. Okay, the first time I met with you, mm-hmm. and then I met with you again with uh, the family. The family that was interesting. Yes, you got right into my case. <laughs> Got all up in you your didn't girl. scare me away, did you? <laughs> no. <I'm, laughs> so anyways, we had a long talk with the family, and everybody mm-hmm. was able to say what they thought and felt, mm-hmm. and you were very pissed. You didn't I was li- still uh, yeah, yes. angry. Yes, and you weren't real happy with me either, because I knew, I, I knew from my long-term work in addiction as well, I knew also, though, that you were having some issues with the pills that weren't helping, and that wasn't <laughs> – that was adding to your irritability and your dysfunction and your suicidal ideation and your affect and all that kind of stuff. So all that had to be brought up. Mm-hmm. And right. I, what, what the heck did you weigh at that point somewhere? You were a little tiny I thing. I was down to 100 pounds. Yes. You were a little miniature woman. Mm-hmm. And, and everybody. 
everybody in the room was terrified of you, but me. <laughs> I remember when it was done, you went stomping out, and uh, everybody turned to me and said, "Where is she? Where'd she go?" I said, "She's brushing her teeth. <laughs> She's not coming back." But you stayed for the whole uh, family gathering, and we went through the whole thing, and and then formulated a plan and what you're going to do when you got out, and then. Oddly, how much longer was it when my phone rang? I did not expect to hear from you. Well, um, I was there for 12 days, which is a little longer. <laughs> yes. Than you Usually hoped. it's three to five days yes. or, uh, when there's a suicide attempt. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I managed to get 12 days. <laughs> yeah. Fun, fun, fun up there. Right. In lockdown. That'll give anybody anxiety. Then, um of course, you have to set up an appointment with a therapist, a therapist after. Mm-hmm. before you're even discharged. Yep. And mm-hmm. um, I had done that. I didn't particularly care for the therapist that mm-hmm. I initially had. And so I got thinking about it and I thought, you know what? The one I like <laughs> <laughs> is Liz. I'm calling her. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you did. I am too. I, I am was too. surprised. You're like, hello. <laughs> Why is she calling? Do you remember me? Yes, I do. How are you? <laughs> it was great to it hear from good. you, though. Yeah, yeah it was. It, it was. was wonderful. Yeah. So, okay. So after your stint um, and, and in the psych ward, that hot mm-hmm. spot, fun place to be for 12 days, and you went home. Um, you decide to get some therapy and talk about maybe what was eating you, what's bothering you. At that point, had they reduced your pain medication a lot? Um, actually, they took me clear off of it. Oh, they did? When I was in there. Took you off everything. How did that go for you? <sighs> Not good. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I slept even less. <laughs> yes. Well, and there we go, the pain receptors. So like when the pain receptors need what they need, that opiate, because there's so many of them now, they anything you do, like, like a, a small cut or a stubbed toe is amplified because there's so many pain receptors uh-huh. that, that are saying, uh, you know, hello, we're here to catch your pain. We're here to catch your – oh, you just bumped your elbow. Oh, my gosh, it feels like it's broken. <laughs> and until those die off – Mm-hmm. You can't start producing your own dopamine yourself and help yourself to feel better. And so that's a really hard part. So you need, so people with chronic pain, I'm not saying everybody has to get off all their medication, but it, there's only so much you can take mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then it stops working, you know? Right. So, so what did you and I talk about when we got together? Oh my goodness. Anything in particular that was, uh, you know, Helpful. I think we went over well, a lot of different stuff. Yeah, I, we covered a lot of territory. Yeah. Um, I know. Number one, I I was kind of shocked at some of my attitudes um, because I had always thought of people who commit suicide or make an attempt as being weak. Yeah, selfish, self, self-centered. Yeah, um, cowardly. Yeah, a lot of you people know. say that. And after having made that attempt, that's not how I view it. Nope, at all Mm-mm. anymore. But I think the majority of people do feel that way mm-hmm. about so, it. So enter shame, guilt. Mm-hmm. And and absolutely, yeah. And I know that uh, <clears throat> uh, most of your kids handled this pretty well. Uh, most, most. There it, was one that was not, not so hap- much. Not so much was not so happy with you. And she, unfortunately, God love her, had her own problems in, in the fact that she had lost a child Correct. at some point in her life. And mm-hmm. so, as you and I were talking in the car when. You tr- attempted your life. I think she thought that it was a selfish thing. Yeah. How dare you? How dare you? I How- didn't have a choice when my child died. My child died. And then you go ahead and 
make the choice to do do this this. yeah to me how could you yeah and that's where we become self-centered ourselves the people like my father committed suicide and um so many of my friends have and you you think you know don't do this to me how could you you know often i'll say that about my father who would i be today i'd probably be a doctor if my father that's what i wanted to be was a doctor if my father had been there to support me and push me or i don't know Mm -hmm. you know and so you always have that doubt Right. You know, right. and, and you have that, you know, why would, why would they do this to me? Why would they leave me like this? How could they do that to me? So we have our own issues on the other side. But in reality, you're suffering horribly on your end. And, um, I had a patient, I have a patient that I see on and off now, now, but I saw her for quite a while. Two of her sons had committed suicide oh just goodness. through emotional problems mm-hmm. and, uh, things that had gone on in their lives that they couldn't deal with. And, um, a lady did come up to her and said, oh, you lost another son while wow, you've raised two really weak sons. <gasps> oh, yeah. Can you imagine how crushing? Who would say something like that? <sighs> and and it, it's just, she's a local lady that I, I like very much. Anytime I see her, I give her a big hug and come see me if you need, you know, to talk yeah, a little right. bit. It's a real private journey and it's an ugly one. Yeah. Real ugly one. Yeah. But, you know, when you're going through that, I, I always felt like I and I always described it as a darkness yeah and a downward spiral Mm -hmm. and it just kept getting darker and darker and almost to the point I felt like I had tunnel vision Mm -hmm. into darkness Mm -hmm. no peripheral Mm -hmm. vision at all and there was no way up yeah It, it the darkness only went down yep and, you know, well, it mixes with depression. There yes. there we go with the opiates and the affect and the depression and the anxiety and the heightened pain creates more anxiety and the depression comes from no relief and you know, it was just chasing your tail. Yeah. So so after you started feeling better or, well, you get out of the hospital. So now <laughs> what do we do? Uh, Besides was, see me, the great therapist, yeah. Liz. The I, I was incredibly fragile. When I got home, which, yeah, what does that which feel surprised like? me. Mm-hmm. Um, just the least little thing could bring me to tears. Sure. Um, my energy level was still poor. Yeah. Um, and I still had a lot of confusion. Mm-hmm. Of course. Well, you know, and also, and you and I talked about this in therapy, this is not your M.O., you're the girl who's got it all going on and covers every base and dots every I and crosses every T. This this took you down seven or eight notches. Oh yeah, and so that's all. That's like ripping off your identity and exposing yourself for who you are. You know that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. that added to your fragility. You know, it just made you feel so. You know, exposed. It did. It Would did. you say that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do feel ashamed. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you do. And and you feel badly for what you have put your family through. Sure. And and it's not like you can undo it. No, you, <laughs> you can't. Know? No, it's a life. It's a lifelong yeah. thing. But you. But like you and I used to talk about, you got to own it. This mm-hmm. is your shit. This right. is your life. This is what happened to you. This is where you were. Yeah. I apologize. You're not going to run around constantly begging for forgiveness. Everybody has their own time to get over it, but right. I was really going through a lot. So you're going to have to understand that too. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. For sure. Um, I, I realized then, you know, that I had a tremendous amount of work to do. Yeah. To bring myself back to me. Mm hmm. To who mm-hmm. I was, mm-hmm. and um, I did it in several different ways: um, prayer and meditation. Yeah, M- music is a big thing to mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Um, I did some journaling. Um, oh, our womb chairs! Oh, yes. <laughs> You want to explain that one? (laughs) Yes, I dubbed him the womb chair. So Char got this chair. It's like a hammock, but it's a chair, but you can get in it and it stretches itself out. And so it encases you like a womb. It is the greatest thing ever. I love it. I immediately went and bought one. 
So you have to find whatever works for you to help. So help calm you down, help you, you know, start taking small little steps towards reality. So there's a good thing about cognitive behavioral therapy, which you were getting with me. You could get your unload on me every week. Talk mm-hmm. to me about the shit that was bothering you and, you right. know, what was going on and how you felt because you just feel so raw. You you do. And you're raw detoxed. And yes. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Go ahead. And I had um, mantras. Yes. That I would tape. Awesome. <laughs> all over the house. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think the first one I started with was um, something by Jane Fonda. Yeah. And it was, um, it is not our goal to be perfect. Yeah. But to be whole. Yeah. Says the perfectionist. Yes. <laughs> well, you're not like you used to be at all. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. But I would change that over a period of time. Mm-hmm. But I would, I had like three places, you know, bathroom mirror, the refrigerator, mm-hmm. oh, window in the sunroom, you know, yep. just those constant reminders. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. So with, so, so, okay. So some of the things you were using was you were going to therapy on a regular basis. Yes. You were seeing me to vent and unload and yeah. help you deal with your shame and depression and anger and anxiety mm-hmm. that was going on. Right. And then you were also exercising. Yes. You're, you were and just that real, is important. Super important. I say this all the time. Nobody wants to hear it. I had to exercise yesterday. It was a bitch, too. I hate taking my own <laughs> advice. I always bitch about that. But I'm like, girl, get up and get on that bike. And You're feeling I have, miserable. And I have slacked off on it. And I, I'm trying to get back into it. That's what happens. it is important. It's it vitally so important. important. Yep. And when I got off that bike yesterday, I was like, okay, I feel a thousand times better, right? Mm-hmm. I pray Every day. That's good. Prayer is really good for you. We meditate. Mm-hmm. The meditation was really. So what you're caught, what you're actually doing is reprogramming your brain to think differently than in, in a dark hole. Yes. So yes. you're remapping your brain, recreating new neurotransmitters that don't go directly from, I feel like shit, I want to go kill myself to, right. you know what, I'm having kind of a bad day, let's go do something and maybe that'll help me feel a little bit better. Because mm-hmm. it's amazing how much pain we can handle uh, without having to take that much medication. Do you know what I mean? Right. right. We, we, we don't even allow it to happen before we get in the habit of popping something. Look at anybody. Every, people come into my office all the time. But can't you prescribe something or, or you know, you got some fairy dust sitting over there? I, no. How about we just have a chat, you know, and go from there? Mm-hmm. People don't want to do the work. The work, you have to do it mm-hmm. be, because you'll never get past what drove you there in the first yeah, place? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You have to purge that dark, ugly stuff in there and to be in order to put the healthy pink things in that are going to make you feel better. Right. So now the fun stuff about this, being mindful, meditation, mind, body, non-judgmental understanding, living in the moment, all that guru stuff that I'm here for, <laughs> that I love, that changed my life and yours, yes, right? Absolutely. Um, support groups, you know, um, and also this is kind of like, it's similar to like biofeedback. I mean, you're getting back positivity from negative, when you have, go to negative thoughts, positive things are coming back to you, mm-hmm. which is, which is a huge, um, very helpful for people with, with chronic pain. It's extremely helpful. Um, uh, besides all of these great things, what else did Liz tell you you needed to do? <laughs> oh, boy, put me on the spot here. Oh, medical marijuana. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. How could I forget that? Absolutely. Okay. Yes. I, you know, I would love to start smoking a little weed myself to help <laughs> with my anxiety, but I can't because I get panic attacks. But I think I'm going to try the CBD, though. I really yeah. am. Yeah. Okay. So this wasn't easy. Um, you're. Uh, how old are you now? <laughs> Late 60s, early, mid 60s? I am... Running hard at 70. <laughs> oh, you are now? No, really? I'm 69. Had... Okay. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. We're, we're about ready then. I'm, yeah. I'm really running. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So convincing Shar and her husband that medical marijuana was going to be a lifesaver and help her sleep, help re- alleviate pain, blah, blah, blah. I might as well have been telling them to put her on straight heroin. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody was looking at me like, what the hell? Are you serious? Are you kidding me? But how helpful has it been? It has been 
awesome. Awesome. And what was our goal out of all this? Our, I look at it putting you on the spot again. Our goal, remember when you and I first started seeing each other, where did you want to go? California. Oh, my trip. Yes. Oh, yes. What was, that was our dream. Thing, that was our best dream. thing ever. Um, I want to go back to the West Coast. Yep. To the, to the Redwood Forest and hang out because you grew up and out the there. Beach. Yeah. I yes. was, I was born out there. Yep. And, um, I wanted to take my daughters. Yep, with me. And that was a dream you thought would mm-hmm. never come to fruition because you couldn't ride in a car, couldn't ride in a plane. Yeah. Pain, 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 pain. Pain, right. And um, it was so fantastic. A lot of um, healing, I think, took place, yep. too, yep. with the girls and myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and your past. Yes. And yep. it was just, they had a fabulous time. Mm-hmm. They've never seen, yeah, any of that. Sure, and the redwoods are incredible. Yeah, yeah. and then you were dry, you were on the coast as well. Driving. Yeah, we went um, all the way from like uh, Seaside, Oregon, mm-hmm. um, down to San Francisco. Awesome. And so, when you and I first started talking about this, you were like. Oh, you know, it's never going to happen. It's a pipe dream. I could never right. last it on the plane. I could never do any of this. And how long was it before you were able to take that trip? Was it like a year later? It was the following summer. That is yes. incredible. It was, yeah, in August. And we went out for 10 days. And you had a great time and it was had awesome. Had a wonderful time. And everybody left their husbands at home. Always yes. the key to all of this. Do not take a man on a drag. Leave his ass at home and go have some fun. Why do you always want to drag our men around? Here, you're going to have a good time. Then we have to worry about them the whole time. I'm so glad you had such a good time because that was a that was a pipe dream for you that you actually, it taught you that I can do this. I can be happy. I can laugh and, and have a good life and, and be happy, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. And, and so... Um, Okay, so with the medical marijuana, you still have to take some degree of opiates, I know now. Yes. Okay, yes. because because you have a lot of things going on. Poor Char has <laughs> been through hell and back. But it's nothing like it used to be because the marijuana helps you sleep right. and helps manage your pain. Right. You use a vape pen? Uh, yes, I vape uh, the CBD oil. Yeah. And they have numerous kinds. Yeah. Um, and... You can get some with no THC in them, some with very small amounts of THC, Mm -hmm. or you can get some with large amounts of THC. Absolutely. Um, But we do have um, an endocannabinoid system Uh in our bodies. Yes. Well, Mm -hmm. it's there for a reason, I'm sure. Sure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Pain relief. Yeah. Yes. and I I use it kind of as a supplement. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what allows me to take precisely the prescribed amount of opiates and yes. not be <laughs> absolutely. And you also do, does your husband still handle your pills? Yes, that's one yes. of your safeguards, right? Right. And that's a great safeguard to have in place and, four in years fact, later. The, the other day, he said, "Do you want me to just yeah. set these out now?" Sure. And I said, "You know what? This works." Yeah. Let's just keep doing it this yep. way. Yep. Yep. We talked so about controlled environments. Set, he sets out my daily dose yeah. for the day. Mm-hmm. And, and then the rest is up to you. Right. On how you feel and what you're going to need. You know, if you're mm-hmm. having a bad day or a good day, you'll you'll break out your toolkit of things that you want to do. Mm-hmm. So this is what we want you to know. You know, even if you have chronic pain... You don't need to be taking an abyss of pain medications. You take a certain amount that is doable. You supplement with medical marijuana. You exercise. You work on prayer. You work on mindfulness. You work on meditation. You work on yourself. Yes. And then those receptors die off. These are all distractors, too. They distract you from your pain. If you're just sitting in your pain watching The Price is Right, is that still on? I don't even know, but I'm just saying. <laughs> Jeopardy, whatever it is. Then it, you're not going to get better. 
You, no. you, you have to work at it. And you did work at it. You worked really hard I've, at getting I've your life back. I worked really hard mm-hmm. because I've, I really felt like I had to get back to the person I was. Yeah. And I had to do it for my family. Yes. Uh-huh. So since then to now, four years later, how many times have you thought about killing yourself since then? Zero zip. <laughs> Zero zip. What do you think the big difference is in that? Because that's a lot to be one day thinking, I want to end this and I want to die to now. You know, it's so weird because it's all, sometimes it seems like I don't know that person. Yeah. Well, you didn't really. You know, mm-hmm. um, I j- my whole mental outlook is is so different. Yes, mm-hmm. I have pain. Yes, I have more and more medical challenges. Yep. <laughs> Every time I turn around, there, you know, mm-hmm. but I can manage it. Mm-hmm. I can handle it. It's mm-hmm. okay. Yep. It is okay, and it's going to be okay. And one of the great things is, is you know, obviously you always have me. You yes. know, you always have me. And then, but you're the you've been exposed to your family. Your family knows. Your husband knows. Everybody knows how to deal with it. This is a family problem, not just an individual. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I a lot of times people don't realize that. Mm-hmm. Um. We had talked a little bit, too, about um, – I had mentioned that I had a neighbor. And yes. we had been away for a long weekend, and we came home, and uh, their 40-something-year-old daughter, who was a nurse, yeah, and had suffered from horrific back pain, had had – Surgeries, yeah, many surgeries, many, many surgeries on her back, and she died. Yeah, and that's all they said. That's what they told they, you. They said she she was just at work the day before. Yep. And as soon as they said that, it was like I knew it was a suicide sure. because they couldn't. They they did not want to share. Mm-hmm. anything else mm-hmm. and that's because of the shame and the guilt and the helplessness yeah that they feel mm-hmm. and they are afraid that people are going to judge them or judge their sure. daughter yeah um yeah and so that's a key element for a families to understand so when your loved one if you can get them or you really think there is a problem everybody has to be on board you yes. know it, not hey Pick yourself up by your bootstraps, Char. Today's a better day, and you've got five great kids that love you and a husband, and come on now. You know, that kind of stuff does not work, right? Did that fall on deaf ears or what? That does not work. (laughs) But if somebody would have probably come in there and said, okay, your ass is getting some help, you know? We're right. going to do something. We're and like right now, like right now, you mm-hmm. know, something's wrong. And you know, but it's very hard for a lot of people that are severely depressed to admit because there we go with the shame and guilt trip. Mm-hmm. You know, people don't want to admit that something's wrong, that things are going wrong, that you that like life has become unmanageable for them. Right. And so, consequently, they go untreated. They go without care. The family doesn't really know. I don't know one family that has said, "Oh well, we suspected this all the time." Yeah, they're there. I, but. We, we weren't surprised by this at all. No, we we were we knew, and we just let it happen. Yeah, I think people turn the other cheek in a lot of ways as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they're like, no, it can't be that bad. Not my family. This happens to other people. Mm-hmm. It's bad. It is bad. <laughs> that darkness is really bad. It is really bad. But you know, if you are somebody suffering some from severe chronic pain, there is help for you out there. The other thing I wanted to mention is that you get. Uh, pain blocks and you get injections. I've had ablations yes. and steroid injections. Yes. And those do help. Yes. Um, the ablations last for about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you do at some point have to have them repeated. And they're know. not 
Nice. Those are some ugly injections you get, girl. I have to give you credit for that because isn't isn't that in your tailbone or oh, that's the worst one. Oh, yeah, yuck. Oh. My husband used to have to have those. It's like a block, right? Yeah, they do a nerve block. So we're so you're but it, but you're making an effort to manage the pain without right. taking yet another right. opiate. Correct. So that is the goal of the whole show today. Yeah. And even my pain management doctor, I mean, I always um, tell whatever doctor I am seeing seeing mm-hmm. that I am on cannabis. Okay, good. Good for you, girl. Um, and my pain management doctor is good cool for you. Right on. Yeah. And you know what? Yeah. It's very helpful for so many people. Mm-hmm. So many people. And I know that's hard for people in the medical profession. I know. To well, they get paid a lot of money by pharma. And they do. I, I've been on the other end of that. I know how that works. And um, pe- pay, uh, chronic pain, people do need pain meds, but it needs to be managed and highly restricted. It really yes. does. Yes. Um, Shar, thank you. For You're coming welcome. today, My I love pleasure. you. I hope to have I, I you hope again. this helps someone. Oh, absolutely, I do. I love you to death. You're my girl, <laughs> and I look forward to a long, healthy life together. All of us feeling better. Um, thank you to Jessica, my engineer, for coming in today. You can find Liz Life Guru on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, today, our outro is going to be with my brother, Danny's band, Coup de Trois, and this is called Johnny Telephone. I'd like everybody to have a great week. Take care and weekend, and thank you, and namaste. Moment passed and then he said, hey, candy pants, it's 
with his shooting hand, just like Johnny figured. The next sound in the room was of a telephone exploding. Blood and fingers everywhere, but Johnny kept from gloating. Another punk had bit the bait and Johnny's work was done. He grabbed his other telephone and it punched out nine. Sunset, all them town folk were waving. Sent him off with blessings for all the lives he'd seen. His stories kept alive by all the people he had known. The legend of the Dallas. 